From Milieu Media Group, this is Hemistry. A show for people who lead hymns and people who love hymns. We're your hosts. I'm Luke Bronner. And I'm John Hatfield. And this is Season 1, Episode 9, O Come All Ye Faithful, with Latifah Phillips. Merry Christmas! can't say Merry Christmas. I don't. I can say Merry Christmas. You can't. We don't get to say Merry Christmas because this is... Episode 9. Season 1, Episode 9, last episode of the season. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Luke. Welcome to Hemistry. We are extremely excited to kick off Advent with one of our favorite hymn retuning bands. Yeah, and I mean like very favorite yeah, absolutely. Top of the list. One of the best artists and bands out there doing this anywhere. The anticipation is killing me. Tell me who it is. Today we've got Latifah Phillips, who's the lead singer of Page CXVI, or you might know them as Page 116, as I used to. Until Me, me too. I'm, I'm pretty sure Latifah corrected me in person the first time I met her and said, it's actually Page CXVI. Page CXVI. She was also in a band called The Autumn Film, who was spectacular. Yeah. She was in a project called Solo Me with Derek Webb and Josh Moore. Yeah. Which was, was super amazing. interesting. Yeah. Really, really cool. Real conceptual, strange. It was sci fi. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful in the weirdest way. But the woman is just phenomenally talented. Yeah. We're going to gush a little bit just because for, she's so for good. For the next, for the duration of this show, yeah. we will be, we'll be gushing. It's just such a treat to have her talk hymns with us, especially. In this Advent season, hymns, yeah. Christmas hymns. Oh man, because it is it is Christmas. Yes, and Luke is Mary wearing I a Santa Mary. suit. I'm not wearing a Santa suit; just a hat. <laughs> Before we get too far into her Advent catalog, I want to talk Page CXVI for a minute. Oh sure. Do you lead any of their arrangements of hymns? Absolutely. I think Oh Sacred Head Now Wounded from their, you know, they did a they did a whole project or series of of records based on the liturgical calendar. Mm-hmm. And so, which was what? It was Advent to Christmas. It was Advent to Christmas. Lent. Lent to, to Monday, Monday, Thursday. Thursday and Good Friday to Easter. Good Friday to Easter. And I kind of found it around the Good Friday to Easter time, which was a time in my at my church when we were selecting music for our our tenebrae service or our our Good Friday service. And I just fell in love with the whole thing, start to finish. It's a beautiful record. But Oh Sacred Head Now Wounded, their version of that song. Which is a beautiful hymn anyway. Anyway, period. Just lyrically, it's it's so rich and so devastating. Mm-hmm. And so getting to introduce their version of it to my congregation was a treat. Yeah. You know, I, I mentioned, I think, on episode one that I have several versions of Nothing But the Blood that I lead. The Page CXBI version is the version that I, I lean towards, and I just think it's just so great. I love it. That's usually the version of the song that's in my head when I think about Nothing But the Blood. Yeah. I hear her singing it and again just the the tone of just their sound in general is so beautiful yeah and it's a sound to me at least for me that really just draws me into focusing on the lyrics that they're singing mm-hmm. and hearing them in a new way versus maybe a traditional version of the hymn that that I'm used to what's um, fun about the way that Latifa writes and retunes hymns is it, they will do a lot of hymns that are 
not very different from the traditional. I mean, she'll change some chords and stuff and then sing the same melody or for the most part, the same melody over it. And I love that because you still get to kind of cling to to the thing that was significant in the first place. Not just the lyric, but some of those melodies, you know, you get to you get to hold on to that, but it still feels new. Yeah, and I think that's really important at Christmas time when we Christmas songs are different. Christmas hymns are different in that they permeate our entire culture, not just our the church, church culture. Yeah. Our church culture. And um, and really in some ways like it's still the hold that the church has. It's still like the the foothold that the church has in culture is is that we have this right. this piece of culture that that people go to church at Christmas time. Yeah. They hear these songs. They experience sort of different language through hymns that they normally wouldn't hear. Yeah. And it immediately connects them to the sacred because those things are sacred to them even if they don't completely know why. Right. It's just, you know, and then to them, it's probably more sentimental or something because of they grew up with it. But, but, um, still but for so many people, that those songs are still sacred when maybe not much else is, you know? I, and so it's a tremendous weight and responsibility, I think, on, on someone like Latifah to, to actually take that on and, and say, okay, I'm willing to, to reimagine these songs for the church today yeah, and, and I think, for culture today. And I think she's super conscious of honoring the traditions of those songs and, and those hymn writers while still making her her voice, lending her voice to, to those songs and making them hers. So let's talk to Latifah Phillips. Here we go. Hey, Latifah, welcome to Hemistry. Thanks for being with us today. Happy to be here. I wanted you to share with our listeners kind of who you are and, and, and how you got involved with retuning hymns. You know, originally the guys and I had started as a, a different band under a different moniker called the Autumn Film. And it was like indie pop rock, original music. And we were leading worship um, on tour as Autumn Film on Sundays, just under no moniker. And uh, it was really a way for us to, you know, stay in the block on tour, but also continue to lead because all three of us really enjoyed that. So we were doing like, you know, bars and clubs all during the week and then church on Sundays. And I just have always gravitated towards hymns. I, I originally grew up in this all Chinese charismatic church where they didn't sing hymns at all, but I really loved the music and how vibrant and loud and fun it was. And then we switched to this like all Presbyterian five point Calvinist church, but all they did was hymns, um, but just with organ and voices. And I remember being 12 and loving the, the lyrics. I would just comb through the hymnal because I wasn't that excited about the musical portion. I would just read. <laughs> yeah. And I was 12. And I think that's like when the seed was planted for me with hymns that I really love this language. Um, but I wanted to have it in a musical capacity that was more exciting personally for me. And so when we came to leading worship more, I would just find myself gravitating towards wanting to use hymns. But with Dan and Reed, you know, we were like doing the autumn film and making all this other kind of music. And I said, why don't we just make music that we love and see if, you know, it still is helpful for worship. So we just started doing the hymns everywhere we went. And we just had people kind of asking us, like, you guys should really put this on a CD. And we were like, no, 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 that's not our thing. Our thing's autumn film. And about two years into doing that, we were in Phoenix and a couple sat us down and said, you really need to put this on a record. And we took them really seriously and we decided to do it, but we felt like we needed to do it under a different name because we didn't want people to feel like bait and switched with autumn film. 
if that makes sense. Uh, we yeah. just felt like it was important to keep them separate, not because we're leading separate lives, but because we're just separate artistic expressions and have separate purposes. And, and so we made our first hymns record and we made it for like $4,000 with money we raised. And, uh, most of it was from that church in Phoenix, this really sweet group of people. And I think when you listen to it now, you can tell it costs $4,000 comparatively to the others, <laughs> but but it was a great it was a great experiment in the sense that we weren't sure if people even wanted something like that. And this was before people were giving away music online for free. We decided to email like 60 of our friends collectively and just like give it away for free off like some sort of download site for 2 weeks and just see what would happen. And I remember I think we ended up giving away like over 30,000 copies in 2 weeks, which was a big wow. deal for us as like an independent band that nobody knew. And so I remember Reed, who's my husband, said, and the guitar player in the band said, we should really make more of these. I think people really want, want this. And so we decided to make hymns two through four. And, you know, now we've made like a 10 or 11 records, but that's kind of how we got started. It was kind of not accidental in the sense where we purposely loved hymns and purposely, I just wanted to use that content for worship, but it was accidental in the sense where we kind of started as another band. We had no intention. <laughs> we gave our first record away for free because we weren't sure what was going to happen. And I think I also remember In Rainbows was given away for free that month. And it was the first oh, time yeah. like a major band had done something like that. Yeah, and we were like, oh, we that. technically did it first. But Radiohead's so cool and so big that everyone's going to think they did it first. <laughs> y'all, can, y'all can share the credit. That's yeah, right. yeah, totally. So that's kind of how we got involved in, in, in really briefly in, in redoing hymns. And then Page 6 VI just over the years kind of took over. We kind of toured simultaneously as both for a few. And then it just kind of happened casually that Page is what, you know, we were getting all our work from. And and I really love it. I love the project. I really have been grateful to have worked on something like that for so long. Yeah. So why Page CXBI? Where did the name come from? Well, at the time, we were making the record, and I was rereading all the Chronicles of Narnia books uh, by C.S. Lewis. Uh-huh. And I was in the middle of the first book, Chronologically, The Magician's Nephew, and I had just read the section. I remember we were in Boston, and we were leaving for a conference, and I just read the chapter where the characters get trapped in a space that's void of light and void of sound. And so... They're totally terrified because they're in the dark and they begin to hear this voice. And at the end of the next chapter, they know it's Aslan, but they've been seeing Narnia in essence being sung into creation. Like the trees appear, the animals appear, the hills appear. And then they see Aslan at the end and he's the one who's been singing Narnia to creation. And so I was telling the guys, I was like, wouldn't it be awesome if we could somehow find a name that captured this entire section of this book? The idea of hearing God's voice and God's voice singing creation into being. Mm. and um, to witness that and to hear that would be amazing. And so I then, we were in Houston, actually, like a couple weeks later on tour, and we were walking by a Forever 21 store, which is sounds so lame. <laughs> but the the Roman numerals, you know, they, they use Roman numerals for 21. And I think Reed had said, like, or Dan had said, hey, we should use Roman numerals and use the page number of that section of the book you were talking about and I was like, and then we went on back on like what page? And I was like, what should be the page where we first hear his voice singing? And and so that's kind of how we chose the name. So it's super weird and archaic and hard for people to understand. They always think it's like page 16 or 100, you know, 1000 and something. Or Yeah. Uh, but I really like it. So. Yeah. I listened to you guys for, for two years and called you page 116 before I ever realized that it, that I was saying it wrong. Well, you know, actually, Dan, our drummer, says page 116. So technically, you're right, too. So you have a band member who's supporting you and how Good. you said it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel a little better then. 
Yeah. So you've done something real interesting the last couple of years with the Christian calendar. Yeah. Tell us about kind of the vision for that project and, and how that came to be. Um, you know, we had kind of danced around wanting to do something like that for a few years. After we'd finished Hymns 4, we said, well, this is kind of a nice collection. What should we do next kind of thing? And um, my nieces were born, so I felt really inspired to do lullabies. And then um, and then we did a remix record with Derek. And then, so it kind of had been delayed, but we've been wanting to look at the church calendar for a few years before we got to it. And it just was one of those things between touring and other records, we didn't quite have the time. So it took us about two years to finally sit down and meet and talk about it between the three of us. And we decided that we wanted to do it over three records because we kind of like, we knew we couldn't squeeze it into one. Honestly, we could have done it over six, but... We just felt like three was a good number. And we sat and kind of walked through the calendar and divided calendar, you know, dates over three records. And I think the intention behind it was that I had started to learn as well as the guys more about the liturgical calendar, more about liturgy in general. Mm -hmm. And we had begun to really deeply appreciate the idea of spiritual rhythms and spiritual practices, not just daily or weekly or monthly, but yearly. I think they're all important, but I think the older you get, and, and I'm realizing this for myself, I'm realizing how important rhythms are, like rhythms of eating well, rhythms of exercising well, sleeping well. You know, if you get into a good rhythm, your life is better. And I find that I have more peace and more ability to be a better friend, better wife, you know, all those things, because I feel more grounded and more at rest. And so. Yeah. The idea that I was willing to do that for my body with food and with, you know, with exercise, but had had been somewhat absent of that spiritually, I realized that felt curious to me. And so I needed to kind of address that for myself. And so I just had kind of gotten personally obsessed with spiritual rhythms. So we decided that it would be really fun to explore it with music. And we hadn't seen a lot of people doing it quite yet. There's a lot of great bands doing a lot of great liturgical stuff, you know, now, and we're doing it at the same time of us, time as us. We just weren't aware, but thought it would be really fun just to make kind of a contemplative piece of music for people to worship with and also kind of maybe inspire them to think about their spiritual rhythms yearly. And so that's kind of was the intention behind it. I don't know, you know, when you make something, you never know how it's actually going to be used. So I don't know if it's achieving that, but that was the hope. It's it's achieving that. Um, oh, good. <laughs> I think, I, well, at least at least it is for me. We we used, at least at my church, we used a lot of your Good Friday to Easter music during that, during Holy Week. And it was, it was just a great experience for everybody to have those songs to sort of inform our, our Holy Week. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's, that's exciting. <laughs> so we've actually spent the morning listening to your Advent to Christmas record, and it's just, it's just spectacular. We want to talk to you about it specifically if you're, uh, yeah. if you're up for that. Yeah, um, let's do it. Just kind of musically, it's, it's interesting. We talk a lot on this show uh, through this whole first season. We've talked a lot about how there, there are just kind of certain songs you don't really – you don't change them. <laughs> um, they are the – they're just the ones that you don't you don't touch, and so Christmas is a really interesting time to be a hymn retuner. And yeah. so it's one of the scary. things it's dangerous waters. Yeah, I mean, really, because you are. We talked a little bit earlier about these aren't just songs that like you could upset people in the church. Like you're you're you could upset people who know these songs just culturally too. Yeah. And and uh, you're you're really tampering with things potentially that people would rather you not. But what you guys did was so beautiful and so tasteful and so true to 
original melodies, but also true to the sound that you guys have cultivated over the years. And so I'm curious kind of what that journey was like for you guys with that specific group of songs. Yeah, I would say those out of all the songs that I've ever done for Page Shakes VI were the ones that I felt most attentive to how possessive people feel over those melodies. And, and for a lot of it, it's for good reason. A lot of those melodies are really beautiful, you know, and I don't usually change things because I think it's bad. I change things just because I feel inspired to. Does that make sense? So yeah. yes. when I'm changing a hymn, it's not because I'm thinking the other person failed, but because I just feel inspired to, to say something or, or sing something different. But with these songs, you know, I love them too. Like I feel probably just as possessive over a lot of Christmas songs as other people do. But there were some things that like always troubled me. And one of them was, you know, oh, come all you faithful, come let us adore him. I really love the slow, beautiful version, you know, oh, come love. You know, a lot of people, that's how churches sing it. It's this very slow, you yeah. know, ballad. But I always thought, man, the lyrics, they're kind of really exciting, you know? Yeah. Like they're kind of like Absolutely. pump you up lyrics. And like when you think about what it is, like the angels are saying, like, come, come, like he's here. Like this kind of feels like it should be party time a little bit, you yeah. know? So I remember thinking when I knew that I wanted to do that song, that I wanted to somehow give a nod to the slowness version, which is beautiful and reflective and important. But I wanted to have some sort of sense of a party going on, you know, kind of like a earthly, but also a heavenly party. And so that's why like we kind of started like a little bit more less instrumentation, but then we kind of like have a more upbeat. It's, you know, as, as, as upbeat as page six I can get, which is not that upbeat, but um, <laughs> uh, it's about as upbeat as we get. Um, we kind of, I want, that felt important to me. I felt like, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to do with hymns and one thing that Paige has always been really committed to is looking at the lyrical content and making sure that the musical content is completely serving what the lyrics are saying. Because I think when we have really healthy partnership between melody and lyric, is when our souls, I think, really understand the intent of the lyric more, if that makes sense. So, oh, totally. Yeah, let me yeah. let me ask you about that. Um, yeah. Mu- musical nerd to musical nerd. How do you guys go about doing that? What's your, maybe there's a process or, or what's sort of your point of reference to make sure that musically you're serving the, the song and letting the lyrics be the centerpiece of a hymn? Yeah, I mean it's kind of a, probably a frustrating response, but it's a bit of a, of a visceral response for me, you know, because we're, we're cerebral, physical, emotional, spiritual beings. And I think that music is one of the few things we have in this world that can access all of those things simultaneously. Mm. And I think that for me, it's like when my mind feels activated, my spirit feels activated, my emotions are activated and my body's activated all at the same time is when I feel like that is successful. Does that make sense? So like Absolutely. the music is making my body move, but there's also can maybe something happening like in my throat or in my chest. That's like kind of an emotional response. But then my mind is being like, Oh, I feel like I, I understand what this lyric is saying. And then my spirit feels elevated to worship. Like when all of those things are kind of happening at once, I feel like, okay, we did it. We can move on. You know, that's- that's great. That's fantastic. And, and, and I should say too, that's for me. Like I don't anticipate that does it for everybody that listens to our records, but that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny. We uh, when we were listening this morning, we got to Oh Come All You Faith. We're like, oh, that's the one. Like yeah. it's uh, it's beautiful, but it's not sad, and it's like it's just it feels like Christmas, which is such an interesting thing because yeah, I think so many artists that release Christmas music, they kind of go for the same thing. They go for the sleigh bells and the strings and the you know the very very pretty sounds. This sounds like Page CXBI. Yeah. But it still feels like Christmas, and I just... It's the way Christmas feels at my house. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah, I, that's what I love about it, um, is it's it's warm, and, and like you said, you really get the emotion of probably the way that, that you guys feel about Christmas, too. But a lot of the things that you talked about when you were specifically talking about that song were questions that we were going to ask you, like the way that the, the refrain of the song sort of changes feel yeah. from from the traditional sort of march type feel of oh come on you faithful into this sort of ethereal loose refrain we we just we love the way that the song moves back and forth between those two things yeah you're awesome we we love your music (laughs) well you know what you guys i really appreciate it not everybody does we still get occasional emails telling us how we ruined him, so. <laughs> Which we, we love to talk about that on this show. Every artist that we've interviewed for for Hemistry, one of the questions that we've asked is, have you ever done a hymn and had a person come to you and say, you ruined my favorite song? Oh, yeah, like several. <laughs> really? Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I get excited about it. But... my face and tell me, like, at, like after we led worship or, you know, um, and my response is always like, you know what? I'm so glad you love that song. And the good news is, is there's several versions available and you don't have to listen to ours. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break to hear O Come All You Faithful. And then we'll talk a little bit more about that song in just a quick minute. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye.
and we're back. Oh, right. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm not sure now what else there is. Do you have other questions about the song? Because we kind of no, went there uh, we, already. We covered it already, but specifically the Advent project in general. Yeah. It doesn't take a traditional Christmas feel. There's no sleigh bells, things yeah. like that. No Bing Crosby. No Bing Crosby samples in the background. Or Love Bing. Me too. What sort of influences do you draw from musically, especially when you're approaching Christmas music, to keep it feeling... Because like we said, Oh Come On You Faithful still feels like a Christmas song, and not just because it's lyrics that we sing, but because it feels warm and celebratory and all of those things that we associate with Christmas. What are you listening to around that time that really sort of breathes life into those Christmas songs the way that Page CXVI does it? Well, man, I mean, when we made these records, when we made Advent, it was June and July, you know? The best time to make an Advent record. The best time to make an Advent. Because, you know, we're making this record to get it out in time for Advent. So, and I was technically making all these records simultaneously, the only time we did them really in order is when I was getting the mixes done, you know, because we were releasing the record with the calendar. But I was simultaneously working on the whole project all together for 15 months. Wow. So I think in some ways that kind of served the Advent record, not like going overboard as far as like one specific sound. But what's kind of interesting is each record kind of has a sonic space. And that's always kind of happened unintentionally, but really like in a good way. But I'm always listening, you know, the last actually couple of years, I've been listening a lot to Motown and Stax music and jazz and uh, like Brazilian jazz, like Jao Gilberto and Stan Getz. And I've been listening to Charles Wright and Otis Redding. And But I also really love classical music. I listen to the cello suites by Yo-Yo Ma because I grew up as a cello player. And then I also will always love, like always love Aqualung, Memory Man is one of my favorite records of all time. Yeah. Uh, I'll always be listening to Tom York and Radiohead. I'll always be listening to Yonzi. His Go record is one of my all-time records too. Sigur Rose always. Image and Heap will always be one of my like huge inspirations. In the last couple of years, I've fallen in love with this group called Rye, R-H-Y-E, which is kind of like a interesting nod to like disco and stacks and Motown, but it's current. So I'm kind of always drawn... Oh, I also were really digging on, this was when I was trying to think about what I was listening to when I was doing that, because I haven't listened to it a long time, but I was really digging on the Little Broken Hearts record by Nora Jones. I loved yeah. that record. I was listening to that a lot then too. Yeah. But I always kind of like am drawn to songs that feel warm and feel interesting and ha- kind of have like a uh, an optimistic, melancholy sensibility to them. And I think that because that's just what I'm drawn to. I naturally want to create sounds like that for my bands, but I do listen to lots of different stuff. So it's not that I'm trying to emulate exactly what I'm hearing, but they're 100% and informs what I'm making. And so with Patient XVI, like I think we actually did use kind of sleigh bells maybe on one song, but it wasn't actually sleigh bells. It was like a tambourine that sounded like sleigh bells, Yeah. but it was more important to me to make a record that captured the party sensibility and the wow factor of the idea of like Christ becoming man and being born on earth. Mm. And so to me, that was full of a lot of things. And those feelings are gratitude, amazement, surprise. But then also because we, we can't help but know the other part of the story because of the, the time that we live in, there is a sense of uh, woefulness of knowing what's coming And so I think the hard thing for me was to not like jump into that woefulness quite yet with Christmas, even though we know Easter and Good Friday and all those things are ahead of us. Like 
I, I just wanted to focus on the idea of the wow factor of we are in desperate need of a savior and look what God did. He sent one in the form of a baby, you know, that's great. And so I really just wanted to like, think about that. So anytime I was in Advent, I tried to like, like lock my mind in that space, if that makes sense. And then let the music be informed by that. So like even with silent night, it kind of has this really tender, special, like kind of shock awe factor at the top, but then it really opens up into this sweeping, you know, hallelujah to our King kind of moment, you know? And I wanted it to have like a, oh my gosh, just human beings were in this barn and this is, it smells bad, but this is amazing. And I can't believe this is happening. And then I still wanted that fact, like they talk about the angels celebrating in heaven. And I really wanted that for a lot of songs. I kind of wanted the earthly and heavenly celebration elements in all songs to be present. And so I think when I thought about the heavenly celebrations, that is, it's strings and sweeping sounds and kind of party. And when it's earthly, it's more carnal and more uh, clumsy than that, you know? Yeah. And so I think I just, this sounds so cerebral. I don't mean it to, but like, it no, does, you like, sound like, you sound like a producer. Sound comes out, you know what I mean? Like when you're thinking about these things organically, that makes sense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that's kind of a really large sweeping answer, but. No, no, I love it. Totally get it. Yeah, I just, I really wanted to respect the song as much as I could. But as an artist, I'm always inspired to add some sort of a personal stamp on it, you know? And it's like the, it's a constant battle, I think, when you're dealing with, as a, as a hymn person. And I think probably a lot of people who redo hymns feel this way, like you're co-writing with people who have died. And so if I'm co-writing with a physical person in my room, there's an automatic like, uh, accountability to respect their boundaries, you know, because they're alive and they can yell at you if they don't like what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there is some sort of, uh, accountability to these writers, even though they've passed that I'm co-writing with in essence, you know? Mm. And so you just, I always want to be really respectful of the work that I'm kind of redoing. I don't want to do it. What's the word? I can't think of it, but uh, like haphazardly or be inconsiderate. And so I think with Silent Night, you know, I really had a sense of I need to respect the work, but I, I just want to do what I can respectfully to like turn it just a little bit, you know? Yeah. So, man, I love it. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time. We want to wish you and your family Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Oh, you guys too. Merry Christmas. It's kind of fun to say that right now. <laughs> the other thing, we would love to bring you back on in season two. We That will be right around Lent and Easter and would love to, to get to talk to you again about that record if you're up for that. I would love it. Yeah, I love podcasts. They're like so fun. So yeah, anytime. Awesome. Latifa, thank you so much for your time. Really, yeah. really appreciate it. Thanks a ton. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, we'll, guys. Have a good morning. You too. We'll talk to you in a couple months. Okay, sounds good. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. This episode of Hemistry was mixed with and sponsored in part by Alclair Audio. Alclair is passionate about people and their music. Their handcrafted custom and universal in-ear monitors reflect that passion to their customers. Visit alclair.com and use the discount code HEM10 to get 10% off your own in-ear monitors. Now, back to our show. Huge thanks to Latifa Phillips for taking some time to sit and chat with us. And you know what? Not just Latifa Phillips, but we've had so many cool conversations over the last few months with this show. Yeah. And just kind of looking back on this first season, I'm just, man, I'm just so thankful for 
all of the help that we had from people, all of the the folks who came and were a part of the show with us and were kind enough to just sit and talk with us about stuff that we're really nerdy about. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. And and thank you guys for listening. We know this is such a kind of a niche thing, but we're glad to know that you're out there and you care about this too and that you've, you know, thank you guys for for kind of reaching out online and and being in community with us. It's been really fun. And we'll be back. This is the end of only season one. We will be back. So, you know, refresh this this feed come March and you will hear all new episodes with new guests and, and we're some super of the excited same, for and it. And some of the same guests. Yeah, yeah. We we're, will definitely have Latifah back. And, definitely. And uh, I'm sure several of the other folks we talked to will are, are going to be back on. So We want to continue just talking about hymns and, and how they matter in, in the musical landscape of the church, how they matter to us and how they matter to you because we believe that hymns are a vibrant part of our culture, a vibrant part of what we do as musicians, and we want to make sure that that tradition stays alive. Yeah. You know, we're going to do something a little unprecedented for this show. Well, since it's season one, there's season not many Season one precedents. finale. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But we're going to play a second song from Page CXVI. When we, when we sat down, John and I, to think through okay, we're meeting with Latifah. What do we want to talk to? What song do we really want to hear from her and talk to her about? We couldn't All the decide. songs. It was the whole album. And we've already had plans for, for her Lent record. So, right. um, But even on the Advent record, we were just like, how do we narrow this down? And so we just decided not to. We're going to play two songs. So we want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas. Merry and we Christmas. Are gonna, we are going to close this episode and this season with Page CXVI's Silent Night. Thanks for listening. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. Right.
This episode of Hemistry was produced by Luke Bronner and John Hatfield. Artwork was designed by Heather Hale. Theme music was by Indelible Grace. You can find them online at igracemusic.com. <laughs>